Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that your will is perfect. We thank you that you have a plan for each and every one of us. And so, God, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you will teach us exactly how you need to teach us, God. I'm very distracted this morning, Lord, and I need you. And if we're all honest, Sunday mornings, even the drive to church can be the most spiritually intense battlefield that any of us will ever see. And so whatever it is that we brought with us this morning, God, we pray that you would take that from us so that we could hear and participate and be in fellowship with you. We thank you, Lord, that regardless of how broken and distracted we are, you'll still come to dinner at our house. And so we give you this morning as a gift from us to you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and i um, just honored to be up here preaching with you this morning. And I, I need to say before I get rolling that I, I, God is good, and that He is merciful, He is gracious, He is awesome. And that He has a plan for each one of our lives. And the reason I say these things is because I had a very hard week. (laughs) And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God is in control and he has a plan. This past week, uh, yesterday in fact, I said goodbye to a friend of mine that has been my friend since birth. He was a soldier by the name of Aaron Corbin who passed away yesterday. and, And I had the privilege of saying goodbye to him. I had the privilege of telling him what he meant to me in my life. And I want to say this to you, church. We don't know what opportunities we're going to have to tell the loved ones in our lives what they mean to us. And I think it would be so beneficial if we didn't wait till they were on their deathbeds to do so. Amen? And so I want to challenge you. Whatever the squabble is that you have going on between you and somebody, in the spectrum of eternity, it's not that big of a deal. In the spectrum of eternity, God wants us to heal and move past some of our squabbles. And I want to encourage you in that way. Because you just don't know how much time you have. I, one of my, my mother's brother-in-law was, was burned over 50% of his body this week. And our own sweet Helen Reddy is laying very, very ill in the hospital. She's not doing well. And so it's easy for us as Christians to quickly become distracted with the things that are going on. These aren't bad things. And so my prayer this morning is, Lord, can you please give me the strength to, to do what I need to do? And I pray as you encounter these storms in your life that God will give you the strength because he is good. And though we don't understand all the time what his will is, he is good. It's not just a cliche, it's a fact. This morning we find ourselves in a, in a story in scripture that it, it is so just fascinating because we plan these sermons out weeks and months in advance and more than anything I needed to hear this message this week of the distracted servant. Because it's, as I said earlier, so easy for us to become distracted, but we as believers need to keep our eyes set on what is good, and what is good is Jesus. 
And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to open with me to Luke 10. Um, you, if you have a Bible, you can open with me or you can turn into your service sheet. And, or if you choose, it's on the, the Christ Church app on your tablet or your iPhone there. And I want to challenge you to follow along with me as we read about this. Because we do get caught up in a lot of the wrong things. And this morning, we see two women by the name of Mary and Martha who have an incredible encounter with Christ. Now, often we take Mary and we kind of crucify her, saying that Mary was this woman who was distracted and she didn't pay attention to Jesus. But, but I want to challenge you with your thinking to be a little less judgmental of Mary, or excuse me, of Martha. Because you see, Martha invited Jesus into her home. Martha took the time to invite Christ into her home. Martha prepared a, an extravagant meal and blessed her guest. And in fact, a lot of times we get this story wrong when we talk about the fact that, you know, Martha was just too busy to to remember Jesus. And in fact, that wasn't what her chief sin was. Our story takes place in Bethany, which is a couple miles away from, from Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples were coming into town and And so Martha thought, what a great opportunity. We've heard of this Son of Man. We've heard of this this Son of God. He is God. Let's have him into our home for dinner. And so they extended an invite to Jesus Christ. When you look at the story, there's probably at least 15 people showing up for dinner. You've got the 12, you've got Jesus, there's Mary, there's Martha, and they have a brother by the name of Lazarus, who we will hear about later in Scripture. Chances are he was there. As you're having a distinguished guest into your home for a meal, you make a big deal out of it and you invite people. And so before the disciples get there, it tells us in Scripture that Mary and Martha both are working to prepare a feast. They're working to prepare a bountiful just party and celebration of, of their, their guests. And, and what we read is, is that at one point it says Mary left Martha, which means that Mary at one point was with Martha preparing the food. They probably were cooking a grand feast because the more noble the guest in that first century culture, uh, the more noble the guest, the more you offered at the mealtime. And since Mary and Martha believed that Jesus was the Son of God, I promise you, if you're having the Son of God into your home for dinner, you're going to prepare a monstrous feast. You're going to break out the fine china. And as my wife and I always joke, they're even going to put on the fake house. We always tell our kids that, that, you know, once we clean up and Grandma and Pop-Pop are coming over, if you touch anything, you're dead. We all do it, right? You hear me say that all the time, but we do. We red up. We put on the fake house. Yeah, you can laugh at red up. It's good. It's a Yinzer statement, but we're them people, right? And so we clean the house and we put on the fake performance and we want to make sure everything's together. And so there's Martha. She's getting out the good china. She's folding the little origami napkins and she's making everything so perfect and so nice. But see, what ends up happening is Jesus and the guests, they arrive at the home. And so she begins to get more nervous and begins to fiddle and and, and tinker with more things. I love when when we have company over to my house. My wife, God bless her, has this way of going to our bedroom and cleaning up the closet. And I'm, Michelle, no one's going to be in our bedroom closet. But we do that, don't we? Because we want the place to look extravagant and nice. And the meal's ready at this point. 
The table is set, but Martha is so fixed on making sure that every little detail is correct. She's walking around with that white glove, checking for dirt. She missed the fact that the guests actually walked in. And so Mary becomes a good host and says, come on in. And she sits down and and Mary does something that's really unheard of in this moment. In our culture today, we miss it because we don't understand the dynamic of that Middle Eastern first century culture. And that was that there was a place for men and there was a place for women. Maybe we do, guys. We have our man caves, right? And the women have the rest of the house. Um, Is that how it works? But in this culture, there was man space and there was woman space. And the man space would have been at the feet of the teacher in the living quarters, where the woman space would have been preparing the food, taking care of the arrangements. And so when Martha gets bent out of shape, she's right to do so according to the culture. But you see, Mary, it says in the scripture that she sits at the feet of Jesus. And to the original hearers, this is way out of place. She doesn't belong there. That's the man's place. But what even would stick out even more is that in this moment, Jesus does not send her away either. Because Jesus values women and men. Jesus values women as teachable, which was revolutionary for that culture specifically. And he's teaching us something in that as well. Well, the story continues on. Martha sees her sister sitting in the place of men, sitting there in front of Jesus, listening to what he's saying, and she's getting all bent out of shape And because she knows that Mary's place is to be with me, with the women. We're supposed to be preparing this thing and making sure that the bedroom closet's clean, and we're supposed to be doing all this. And, and so she begins in her heart to judge her sister, Instead of being worried about her task, she harps a very critical judgment on her sister that causes her then to go to Jesus. And she says these words to Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care? You want to talk about an overreaction. But we've had that moment in our life, haven't we? Where we've said to God, don't you care? I want to stop here a minute because that phrase, Lord, don't you care, shows up in another moment in Scripture. There's this epic moment where Jesus is with the disciples and they're, they're in a boat and it's found in Mark 4, 38, if you want to read that later. And so what ends up happening is, is there's a storm a-brewing. And I want to challenge you to think of this in the mindset of the disciples because remember, these guys were fishermen. When the captain of the boat starts getting seasick, You know the storm's bad. These guys were professional fishermen, and they're saying the weather is so bad that they're fearful for their lives. Have you ever seen the show The Deadliest Catch? When those guys begin to worry about the storm, you know you have a storm. Because they laugh in the face of 30-foot waves. And here are these disciples, some of them professional fishermen. They know how to weather a storm. This storm is so intense in their life right now that they cry out to Jesus, and what do they say to him? Don't you care? We're going to drown. Jesus, in this moment, stands up and demonstrates how much he does care. And he says to the storm, stop! 
And the word of God tells us that the waters were calm. I promise you this, church. In your life, you will experience storms. And some of those storms you will have to ride out, but some of those storms you just need to cry out to Jesus and he will take the turbulent waters and he will make them calm. But it looks different than sometimes than what we think. I would have loved for my friend Aaron to have been healed. But God worked his will and made the suffering stop. And he took the turbulent waters from my friend. And I say, praise God. When we hear those words, I will praise you in the storm, can we really do that? Or can all we do is cry out to him and let him control the storm? Mary's in, or excuse me, Martha's in this moment where she's cast judgment upon her sister. See, her sin isn't that she worked hard. And I want to make sure that that we recognize this because I would actually love for all of us to be a little bit like Martha. Because you see, Martha invited Christ into her home. Do you invite Christ into your home? Martha put her hands to the plow, so to speak, and Martha prepared a beautiful banquet for Christ and for other people to come hear Jesus. Are you preparing the way for the Lord? We give Martha a a, a lot of guff, but let's be honest. She invited Jesus Christ into her home. And that is to be commended. She served. But where her heart went wrong is when she began to judge her sister. Listen to me, church. It is not your place, and it is not my place, to judge other brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't know their full story. We don't know where they're at spiritually. And Martha made the assumption that her sister needed to be in the kitchen with her, but her sister needed to be right where she was at, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. And Mary's, Martha's sin was her harsh judgment of her sister. And she became so caught up in it that not only did she judge her sister, she went on to judge Jesus, then to boss Jesus around. Listen to this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Have you ever been in that moment where you start telling Jesus what to do? Do you think Jesus is some type of genie in a bottle that we can just call when we want and tell him what to do? God is bigger than that. And the judgment in your heart will cause you to totally misunderstand the purpose of the king. It's not our place to judge. It's God's place to judge. And it's not our place to judge God. Because as I said earlier, his plan, his will, it's perfect. And it's not going to always line up with my will. But do I believe he's good, like I say? And the answer is yes, and my prayer is that you do too. 
God is good. He does have a plan. He is perfect. And it's not my place to tell him he's wrong. Just like it's not your place to tell him he's wrong. And I know that hurts and, and we don't like that. But I'm sure Mary, or excuse me, Martha didn't in that moment appreciate what Jesus said to her. What do you mean, no? I love how Jesus responds to her and he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. See, we read that and and in the original language, when Jesus says only one thing is needed, what he's actually saying in this moment is there is only one meal needed. When he was on the lake with his disciples, he demonstrated his power. And now in this moment, he's demonstrating his sufficiency. Because he's saying, Martha, you're worried about all this earthly stuff. You're worried about preparing a meal. I am the feast. I am what will sustain. I am what will bring life. You're worried about prettying up something that will one day die. But I am creating life here. I love in our story last week about Bartimaeus. If you remember, blind Bartimaeus, it says that when Jesus called to him, he threw his cloak aside and he ran to God. Bartimaeus didn't pretty himself up to go to the Lord. He ran half naked to Jesus and blindly at that. God doesn't want you to put on the fake house. He wants you for how you are. He loves you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And he wants to meet you where you're at. He wants you to sit at his feet and stop being so worried about the banquet that you missed the meal. Listen to me, church. Are you so consumed with judging other Christians that you're totally failing to look in the mirror? Because their relationship with God is not as important as your relationship with God. Did you hear me? Your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most significant thing you will ever have in this life. Through it, you will find freedom. Through it, you will, be fi- you will find the ability to praise Him in the storm. Through it, He will take the turbulent waters and He will make them calm. And through it, you will receive life. Not in how my relationship with God is. Not in how that person's relationship with God is. But how you and how God are. Jesus tells Martha, Mary has chosen what is better, and I will not take it from her. Hmm. Have you chosen to sit at the feet of Christ? Or are you too busy? When I look at this passage of scripture, I think of three things that I would love for us all to take away here today. The first one is this. Are you serving God? We give Martha a hard time, but let's be honest, she was serving. And I'm going to tell you, if you're not serving God by loving other people in some way or another, whether it's volunteering here at the church, in your neighborhood, whatever you're missing out on what God has called you to. You're missing out on part of the blessing that God has for you. 
He's called us to love him and to love others. And as a church and as people who believe in Jesus, we need to be serving one another. And so if you're not, I say shame on you. Get to it. Because God gave you gifts and talents for a reason and he wants to use them to bring glory to himself. Serve. But don't let your service become a distraction. The first thing I want you to take away is, are you serving? The second question I, I want to ask you is, are you keeping a healthy balance? Because there's some of you out there that are kind of addicted to serving. In fact, all you do is serve. You serve so much, there's no time for you to have intimacy with God. And I'm going to tell you this right now, even service that you think you're doing from the kingdom of God can kill you if it's taking away from your relationship with him. Your your relationship with Jesus is so significant and so important. You need to be taking time reading his word. You need to be taking time in the scripture. Is your life in balance? You can't work your way into heaven, people. It comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's it. We serve because we get to, because we know the goodness of the king. Our relationship with God should be what causes us to serve, not thinking our service causes a relationship with God. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Are you serving so much that it's spiritually killing you? Because if you are, then I challenge you to pray. And this next point is going to challenge you as well. Are you slowing down enough in your life? This is the third one. That you're allowing room for a relationship with God. In our iPhone generation, we have this mindset that we have all these things to make our lives more convenient, but I challenge you, I think they're killing us. We're always plugged in. We're always connected. And church, listen to me. There's a reason why God gave us the Ten Commandments, and one of those Ten Commandments is to honor the Lord and keep the Sabbath. God wants you to slow down. He wants you to unplug. Listen to me, church. I'm giving you permission. Turn your cell phones off. Get connected with God. Relearn what quiet time means. And I'm going to confess to you right now as as a pastor here, I haven't been keeping the Ten Commandments because I haven't been honoring the Sabbath. I was very convicted of this a couple of months ago and, and I talked to my wife and we need to keep the Sabbath holy. Do you keep a Sabbath day? Is there a day in your week where you back away from all the earthly responsibilities and you marvel at what God is doing in your life? You remember in creation when God created the heavens and the earth? It gives us this seven-day encounter with God. What did God do on that seventh day? Say it again. He rested. Let me ask you a question. Does God get tired? No. God does not get tired. What was he doing on that seventh day? He was marveling at what he created. And I'm going to tell you, if God, the creator of everything, can unplug and disconnect for a day to marvel at what he had created, you and I weekly should be taking a Sabbath day, keeping it holy, marveling at what God has done in our lives. 
and playing with our grandkids, putting our phones down and going out and talking with our neighbors. We need to keep a Sabbath. I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this for two months very consciously, and God has brought me peace in areas of my life where I needed it so bad. Church, the Ten Commandments aren't suggestions. Keep a Sabbath day. God wants you to marvel in what He is doing. If we can keep a Sabbath day, if we can be busy serving and, and, and have a relationship with Him that's in proper balance, I promise you this, you won't have time to look at Mary and say, why isn't she helping? When you have your perspective and relationship with right, with, that is right with God, you won't have time to look at brothers and sisters in Christ and to judge them. I think of these words. It says a community that suffers when it is when it spends a community suffers when it spends all of its energies assessing each other instead of taking on responsibility for own walk. Are we a community that suffers? Are we a community that really believes it when we say God is good? Are you so busy preparing for the banquet that you're missing the meal? Jesus wants you to sit at his feet. And he wants to tell you some incredible stories. Keep a Sabbath day, church. Honor the Lord. Don't judge one another. But in love, serve one another. I love that the story of Mary and Martha doesn't end here. There's a lot of Marthas out there, right? I feel like I'm a Martha. But I want to challenge you with this. Martha... Missed it this time. Just like some of us, we miss it from time to time on our Christian walk, don't we? But did you know there's another story in Scripture where Martha gets it? Where Martha gets it and she's the good example and Mary doesn't get it? In John eleven twenty one, their brother Lazarus is very sick. In fact, he's on his deathbed. Martha sends word to Jesus, but by the time Jesus gets there, her brother is already gone and dead. And in John eleven twenty one, it says this, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would, have not have, would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Her tone's different with the Lord this time, isn't it? She calls him Lord. She understands that your will be done. And if it is your will to be done, you can raise my brother, and I have complete faith that you can do so. Martha, in this moment, gets it that the place for life is Jesus. Here's a question. Where's Mary? She's not there. She's at home with no hope. Because sometimes the storms in our lives, they consume us, don't they? They become too hard to bear. And in this grievous moment... Mary is at home weeping for the loss of her brother, and she misses it. So at one point in our story, Martha messes up and gets it wrong, but then in another part, she gets it right. In one part, Mary gets it right, and in another part, she gets it wrong. Listen to me, church. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall, and you're going to make mistakes. But if you genuinely repent, God will come to your house for dinner. Jesus will come over for dinner. And he will teach you. 
how to overcome the storms. Father, we love you. We thank you for our example of Mary and of Martha and how, God, that we are, as Christians, called to, to really slow down and to make sure that what we are doing is glorifying you. That we're not so busy that we're missing you, God. Help us to have a relationship with you. Help us to be like Mary in that sense. And help us to be like Martha, that we would be people of service. But God, help us to not miss you in all of this. Convict our hearts to keep a Sabbath day and to stay in relationship with you. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.